Hey y'all, I'm Megan Lee. And I'm Liz Gray. And this is Strictly Sapphic. A podcast about sapphic art. And your mom. Always your mom. Get into it. Well, hey there, sapphics. It is Liz. Just Liz. (laughs) to do the intro. I hope that's okay. Um, I just wanted to talk about one thing, really, before we get into speaking with one of my favorite people, Lauren Eve. Um, She is incredible. If you know her, you love her. If you don't know her, you're going to love her by the end of this. Um, Our first poet, well, published poet? I don't know. Maybe everyone's a poet. I don't know how this works. Um, and our first British person. <laughs> and mm, this is chaos. This is why we don't let Liz do intros by herself. Um, love Lauren. And fun fact, this is our second time interviewing Lauren. She was actually our second interview ever. Um, but then the file got corrupted. So, uh, anyway, readout, readout festival, readout literary festival. It's this gay little thing in Florida um, that is happening this February, the 16th through the 18th. Uh, in fact, it, Strictly Sapphic is going to be there along with amazing authors, a handful of which are some Strictly Sapphic alumni. Um Bonus to anyone that sees me run and jump into J.J. Arias's arms. Um, that'll be a sight. They'll be screaming. All from me. Um, and so jump online to readout.lgbtqgulfport.org um, for all of the information. Now, I will stop this shit show now and just let's get into it. Hey, everybody, Lauren Eve is it back in the pod fort, but you haven't known that she's in the pod fort before now. So let me restart that. Hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is going to be a nightmare to edit. <sighs> Thanks, everyone. I'm like freaking out. <clears throat> Allow me to reset that. Two, one. Hey, everybody. Lauren Eve is clearly in the pod fort with us today. Lauren, how the hell are you? Thanks for being I'm here. good. How are you guys? So We're excited good. to be here. Yeah. What, um, my God, what time is it there? Do I want to know? It is 10 past 3 a.m. Um, I am so sorry. <laughs> wow. It's oh. lucky the insomnia comes in useful now and again. Don't ah, Okay. Do you have any assistance? I have a Red Bull right now. I shouldn't because it's 8.09 p.m. I but- have a uh, premium side of Kaufenberg makes fruit tropical so it's getting me through yeah and also i'm gonna be like slightly buzz for wet tomorrow which is fine hell yeah (laughs) um i i'm into that i'm very into that so you know what else i'm into nope that's a dumb transition (laughs) (laughs) 
So clearly we are um, already deeply and passionately in love with Lauren, but there might be people who aren't person who aren't yet. So Lauren, why don't you tell the people who aren't in love with you yet, but will be by the end of this hour, who you are, what you do, why you're here, all that good stuff. Um, I guess I'm a poet. Um, I started off as a a poet. Yes. A factual poet. Feel weird to say that. Um, I started off as a book reviewer during COVID, um, which led me into the like sapphic community, the LGBTQIA reads. I became a bit more of a involved member of that. I promote books. I beta read for people. I proofread. And I started posting little snippets from my journal of uh, verses. And that ended up becoming a first poetry collection. I've now written two and uh, working on a third and a few novels. And I say a few because I'm definitely a procrastinator and have several Google Docs open at one time. So I'm not the most organized. (laughs) I don't know that you can say you're procrastinating because you are working very hard just on multiple things. And I don't know if you can say unorganized because... You have it on a computer and not in your brain where I store things. I mean, it's, it's all in the brain, but I managed to get so many words and scenes down. But I'm definitely, um, I'm one of these writers that write out of sequence, which would probably drive most people crazy. Um, so that's why I have very scattered moments that I just write what's in my head. And yeah. then I'm going to piece them all together and probably end up with like six debut novels at the same time, I think. <laughs> I need it. I need it in a box set. I need it on my coffee table. It's going to be that. Don't worry. Incredible. God, your brain is amazing. Okay. (laughs) And I want other people to know that. But um, before we kind of start digging into your process, which I'm so fascinated by, how, when did you realize you were a writer? Like, when did you realize you were a person that needed to write like creatively as your artistic expression? Um, I guess I've always written. Um, I mean, so many of my school books and stuff have like half-styled stories. They have ideas, characters. Like I've always wanted to do that, but I never really figured it was like a sensible way to spend my time. Like I was very like studious. I was like, is this going to get me a job? Like I was very, that's what my focus was and things like that. And then during COVID, um, when I got involved with the writing community, especially the indies, and I found out a lot more about the process and things. And I was reading such exciting stories that I hadn't read before by these like amazing writers and experiences I could relate to because I hadn't really read that many queer books by that point um, that were mainstream, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought, actually, I have some characters that I feel would work in that way. And also I... The community helped me to become braver, I think. So I think that's how the poetry ended up kind of leaking out into the world and people started to relate to it. So, yeah, yeah, there's not that many poets apart from like, you know, the Instagram ones like Rubicore and stuff like that. So I wasn't sure how it would be received, but I've definitely always written stories and like pictured things in my mind like a movie. So to actually put them down on paper is it's exciting. But yeah. It's always been there in the back of my mind. So let's talk about when you first decided, okay, I'm going to collect these poems. I'm going to put them together in a 
collection. Mm -hmm. Talk about the process for actually like choosing the poems in your collection or how you wanted that to go. Like what your, your process is for making those choices or how you structure them because both um, a graceless and flourishing heart and a was a fractured and luminous soul. Mm-hmm. Fra- it's right there. A fractured and luminous soul <laughs> um, are structured really in, in really interesting ways. So can you talk a little bit about like actually putting together a collection of poems and then I will go into like writing poems. Yeah. Um, I kind of had them all together, especially for graceless. Um, I had them just all together and I kind of got to a certain number and thought, okay, that's, that's going to be the first one. There were running themes throughout them, but I wasn't hundred percent sure how I would um, structure them. And then I wanted to think of a title and I figured if I go and go from a title, then I can help structure them. And they were kind of all based around a summer. Um, uh, I think it was 2022. Um, and a lot of things changed for me and that. And I think I was healing from some stuff and got happy and had all these new opportunities and feelings. And so that for me was like, okay, I'm going to go from something that's a bit broken and healing to something that's still not perfect and is definitely not graceful. Um, but it, it's a more positive place in my life. And that's where I came up with fractures and um oh, sorry so uh, graceless and flourishing so then afterwards I thought well I want to use the title in the content so I wanted to maybe structure in two sections like the before and after but then I felt like it was too bulky I needed that transition to be smoother so I wanted to choose two other words that complemented complemented the emotions in it so I went with regretful and hopeful um mm. just kind of stagger that out of it but it doesn't have to be read in sequence it can just kind of be picked apart as you want it you could just read one section you could read just one odd poem um but I definitely wanted to feel like there was a transition through it like a story arc I didn't want it to just be kind of all thrown together you're sad on one page you're happy on another I wanted there to be a kind of almost character arc in it so as you're reading it you can experience it different ways for sure I I I personally really appreciate it because it's like Hey, I'm going to give you context of what you're about to experience. Time to get in that headspace or time to receive this art through that lens. Um, I haven't read a lot of poetry except for yours and the poetry that Macon is now assigning me and yeah. giving me. Mary Oliver is um, right. <laughs> on the list. I yeah. want I want to be uh well versed in it i think like is there's a lot of overlap um in what i'm passionate about which is like writing lyrics um yeah and it's so it's almost like a good guide for me i guess like when the way that you structured it of like okay these are the themes that i'm going to look for in these pieces um mm-hmm. so thank you i guess <laughs> for structuring it the way that you did you're welcome. It just kind of happens. <laughs> well, I do think that I do think that your poetry is you write the kind of poetry that people who don't love poetry can get into because you yeah. do give it narrative structure, like mm-hmm. in the way that you create a collection. And I think that's really interesting um, because so many people are like, I don't really get poems. But then I'll like, just read this poetry book. And I had so many people be like, I don't like poetry, but I like these poems. I was like, that's the biggest compliment ever. 
Yeah, and it's like over and over again, I got that. And I really do think it is because you structure them as a story. You are telling a character arc and you are following a person through a transition. Um, And so both your starting poems and your ending poems in both collections are sort of the day everything changed. And then the last one is always a cry or a a transition into what's next. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you very conscious about picking like a starting place and an ending place? Or is that very natural? Or how are you choosing those poems? Um, So I think in Graceless, my first poem is actually the first ever one I put on Twitter. Um, Yeah. So, and and then the final one is kind of... um, it wasn't the last one in the collection, but I think it was the when I knew where the book was going to end, if that makes sense. So it wasn't necessarily written last, but I felt like that was going to be the culmination one. Um, okay. I felt more confident in the way I structured Fractured because obviously I'd done it once before. And with that one, I was very much more conscious. And those are like two of my completely favorite poems. So the beginning and end were very important to me. Um, and... In terms of where I end each category, I guess, or section, they're not necessarily my favorites, but I feel like they kind of sum up that phrasing, if that means. So, like, um, with Fractured, I think I end with um, uh, She Wears Rings Like Weapons, and I felt like that was the moment where you realize how you're broken, and it's like that moment where you try and transition into being stronger and how you can do that. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely more conscious in Fractured, um, I definitely feel like I grew a lot more and I learned a lot as a writer, but also as putting it all together and editing it myself and everything else. So I felt more confident in what I wanted to achieve with that. Can I ask what the thought process is or what is the, I guess, yeah, I, what the thought process is behind, hey, I've written these poems, I have felt the feelings, I've put them mm-hmm. in a collection, and you decide to share them with the world which to me like both of you like because both of you have done it at this point like the utmost kudos to you because that sounds like a nightmare (laughs) um and I think with poetry specifically I mean I again this is totally third party like I'm I'm neither a poet nor an author um it seems like it would be that much more vulnerable if you like doing publishing poems versus maybe like a work of fiction. I think it's still both very terrifying, but this is like, this is your heart and soul and flesh and blood and tears. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I promise there's a question in here. How, how do you, how do you find that, uh, or what was the tipping point? Like, what made you decide, like, yeah, I, I do want to bear my soul and publish this? Um, so with Graceless, it was definitely, so at the time, I'd shown the whole collection because there was two people who really pushed me to put my writing out there. And that was Erin, Zach, and Blakely. And they really supported me in that. And they were really, they knew, like, I'm... I wear my heart on my sleeve and like I it is what it is and they were like you should do this like it's something new it's something fresh and I think people are going to relate to it and I think you should just do it so by that point I put probably most of Graceless at some point or another had been on Instagram or Twitter um Mm. 
So I knew that people were receptive to it. And that really made me very happy and more confident in doing it. Um, so I just kind of just thought, you know what, hit publish and we'll see. And it was really very sweetly received. And yeah. um, I think with Fractured, because it's way more personal and it's, it's a bit sexier. It's spicy. Just, it's good. <laughs> it's a little bit more, um, yeah, like midnight till 3 a.m. vibe. And mm-hmm. I was very nervous to do that. And I didn't really put a lot of it out before it was going to be published. I only put kind of snippets out. Because I was really scared. And I thought if I get like a really bad comment, I probably won't do it. Mm. And that's a bit chicken shit of me. I will I won't lie. Um, but the people who had read it said, okay, this is it's good, like trusting yeah. yourself. And yeah. I was really, really, really grateful. Like you said, people who don't really read poetry liked it. I felt like it was a stronger queer representation in this one. So I was more proud of it, I think. I was braver mm. with the themes yeah um and I think I probably got like one like not so great review but the comment on it like the stars weren't great but the comment was literally like this is a super personal collection you've like literally put your heart out there or something like that and I thought well actually that's that's exactly it so everyone's not always going to relate to it and but I appreciated that they appreciated it was me if that makes sense so yeah for the third one, I'm really nervous. Like, the third one's gonna be a lot of a lot of personal stuff. But I'm also I've done a bit more research for the third one. Like, I've read a lot of poets. I wanted to get like a wider scope of structure and things. I wanted to try and be a bit more brave in the form and structure as well as the words this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've been reading a lot of like great American poets. Going back to Dickinson. Um, who's my favorite um a bit of class in there you know because I like the you dark stuff so yeah so I'm probably going to be scared and not put it out there until it's ready um and just hope for the best but people are just so supportive and receptive to it and I really appreciate that because poetry isn't for everyone and it's very subjective but yeah for sure yeah well and to kind of bounce off what Liz was saying um so my favorite poet is Mary Oliver. I don't think anyone is surprised to learn mm-hmm. that. No. Um, and she has this essay that she wrote, and I've, I've written it in talking about your writing before, but I want to bring this quote back because I want to talk very specifically about how you write. And in this essay, she wrote, 10 times a day, something happens to me like this. Some strengthening throb of amazement, some good, sweet, empathetic ping and swell. And this is the first, the wildest and the wisest thing I know, that the soul exists and is built entirely out of attentiveness. And Oliver wrote specifically and uniquely about like the natural world and and escaping. And But you put that kind of attentiveness and that kind of focus, but you do it internally like you turn that attentiveness to yourself and your experience of the world mm-hmm. and my question really here is can you tell me about your process like are you journaling are you how are you creating these poems um so I journal I have like a stack of journals that probably I really got into it during university it just helped me just to process things and stress and anxieties and things like that and sometimes 
like I usually like a scrapbook as well. So like I'll be like concert tickets, things like that in there. But sometimes I don't write a lot in it, but then I'll just write a few lines to sum up an experience or a feeling if I can't get it down on paper. And that's how the poem started. Um, and since Graceless, because they came very naturally, I didn't have a deadline. I didn't think I was going to ever do a, a collection. So they just kind of happened naturally as I went. If I heard like a really good word or a phrase that I really connected to, I used to save on my phone as a memo and then go back to it later and just reel off a poem from it. And I still do that. Like most of the poems from Fractured are written in like one take. Um, very few times I go back and change things. Sometimes there'll be a rhythm change or I've used the word too many times and I need to change it up. But usually, so one of my favorite ones, Sharp Girls, I wrote, I literally wrote it like, 2.30 in the morning just on my phone and just I just had a feeling I, I like the phrasing sharp girls I like the juxtaposition of being soft and hard at the same time you know there's obviously feminism themes in there and sometimes they just I can't explain it I just grasp onto an idea and go with it um I definitely think I have a, a go-to which would be like nature like blooming blossoms flowers I'm very I'm very into that I know a lot of flower meanings and I use those in my craft. So anyone who knows me knows I do all that. Um, but yeah, I like deeper meanings. I like layers to words. So if I hear a really good one, I think like the connotations to that. And I love language. I did languages at um, secondary school. I went to a language college. So I did like Japanese. I learned some Latin, Chinese, French, Spanish. Like I love the layering and the way the words transition and hold different meanings. Um, so for me that's all in the poetry like I'm just a, a basically I'm just a word geek like I love adding deeper layers to everything that's incredible so um, I so I think it's really important to emphasize and call out what you said about you know sometimes it's just journaling like little bits of my day or an experience or a word that I heard and I really like and then sometimes it's Hey, I have this idea at 2:30 and then boom, it's just like pouring out of me. Yeah. So, Megan, I know I've told you this story and then Lauren, I've told you a story that literally just you were there for, um, but I'm going to tell <laughs> the world now. Um so Lauren and I started talking because of, you know, the internet and um one and we had followed each other on Instagram. I think this was like right after you published uh graceless and flourishing heart and i i was so moved by it and it was one of those pieces of art where you're like oh my god i want to go create something now like it just puts you in that mood to create and i um slid into those dms no um no bad (laughs) agenda (laughs) like this is strictly for art purposes but i slid into those dms and i said can i ask you a weird question and we like hardly know each other at this point and lauren is just the kindest soul and was like yeah and i was like so how do you i've i've had a 10-year um writer's block me liz Mm -hmm. has i used to write all the time in high school that was like my huge uh go-to like therapeutic whatever expression would write so many different songs and then i got to this point where i was like i can't write unless i'm 
feeling so incredibly low. Like my art always comes from a place of despair. Um, I am a slut for a sad song. Like that is where I feel the most creative. Um, but I was at a point in my life where I, you know, because of therapy and medication, I was feeling not in those deep, dark places, but I also was worried that that meant that my creativity would go away. And so I essentially was like, hey, do you, how do you create when you're not necessarily in the darkest of places? Like, how do you, how does it come to you? And I don't know, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but Lauren essentially said that like, it's not about just sitting down and being like, okay, I'm going to write a poem. Okay, I'm going to write a song. It's because you're not always going to be in that set headspace for it. But throughout the day, you might not be like going through a depressive episode or whatnot, but like you have sad things that happen during the day, mm. even if it's just for a blip. Like, and taking the moment to just record that in like a quick scribble of a note or something. And then like at the end of the week or the month, when you have time, reflect on everything that you've recorded and something will come from that. And that was the first time, because I had asked that question to a lot of different creatives of like, where are you finding inspiration? Because it's just gone from me. And that was the first time that it made sense. And I was like, holy shit, she just changed my life. Like I'm, you know, I, I don't have to be uh, at the mercy of inspiration just coming when it decides. Like, I can still be proactive and put into practice creating things. Um, and so the fact that you explained, like, hey, sometimes it's just writing little snippets, and sometimes it is that 2.30 a.m. feeling of, holy shit, I need to get something out. Um, yeah. I think that's really incredible. And I, I point it out because I'm always thinking of... The listeners to this podcast, though we are still baby, I, I'm thinking about that writer or that poet or aspiring poet, because we've said many times on this show that like art saves lives. Um, yeah. And if they're feeling the way that I was, like that is so what I needed to hear in that moment. And so I wanted to share that with everyone. Yeah. Sorry, that was so yeah. long-winded. Um, but Liz, I love you. I love you. So you mentioned like some of the themes in your poetry being like flowers and kind of layered dual meanings in that. I yeah. also notice a ton of, and maybe this is why it feels so vulnerable and like raw and close to you, is the body, skin yeah. and breath and you you know, you talk about tattoos and like permanence. Um, yeah. Can we get into that? Like, what is, I don't know, maybe kind of <laughs> delve into why you write about <laughs> body parts. Oh, the body part. Uh, um, I don't know. I just think like, like I internalize a lot of things, like emotionally, like I'm very, I used to be very introverted. I don't know if I still am or not, but like, I'm very, I compress everything down into feelings and that's why I see why I used to like journal and things like that and it's hard for me to process it out and I I'm also half deaf so I'm deaf in one ear and I when I lost my hearing I noticed that like I noticed body language a lot more because it was difficult for me especially when I was learning to cope with it um it was difficult for me to focus and like busy 
areas and things and things at school. And I notice body language a lot more and how people express themselves. I notice people's tics a lot. So like when they're nervous and they play with their hair or they have a specific movement, I, I notice that I just do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm not good at poker, but I mean, I notice things. Um, and I just, for me, emotions and body language have always been like the same. Like they're a reflection of what you're internalizing. Even if you don't say it, your body acts it. And mm-hmm. I think for me, it just, it was a natural thing to describe in poems because they're not characters who are speaking. It's their body reaction. And with poetry and the way I guess I write it, all those emotions and all those turmoil is going on inside and it's how you project that out. And I know like a, a lot of me is in my tattoos and I got a lot more confident when it started getting tattoos and they all have different meanings for me. And like the first thing I'll say to somebody, I meet them when I see a tattoo, I'm like, um, what does this mean? It's okay if it doesn't mean anything. It's okay yeah. if it's just pretty, but like, tell me. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like people show themselves more through the tattoos and the way that they style themselves and the way that they dress like I'm very into fashion things like that Mm -hmm. I like things that have a story and I think sometimes if you're not brave enough to say it or you don't know the words how to say something you project it in different ways into the world and Mm. that was just a natural thing that I just wrote because it's exactly what I do like yeah I I don't know I guess I'm more confident in the way I dress and um like in a room like a full of people I'm probably one of the more quiet ones but I'm probably always in bright colors like I only ever wear black to black to uh, work because I hate I hate being um plain and I like things that have a story I like vintage clothing and things like that so mm-hmm. all those things just kind of went in the poems and obviously with fractured it's a lot more sexy so there's a lot less clothing, but there's a lot more body. And um, yeah, as I became more confident, obviously I went into kind of more sexy poems. And like I said, in those moments, you don't say anything. Your your body says everything. You, yeah, you express in different ways. That's incredibly beautiful. Wow. It's like you're a poet or something. <laughs> Oh, Lord. (laughs) I'm going to be thinking. No, I really am going to be thinking about that for a while. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read a poem of yours to you. And we're just going to pretend like that's a thing that we're all comfortable with. Um, (laughs) And then I want to I want to read this to you. And then I want to ask you a question. But I want this poem to be the context for this question. Okay. I've decided that my scars look good on me. I don't need anyone else's name or labels to dress me every day. I just need my bruises for a color palette and my trauma as a shield to weather all the things the day could bring, all the elements could throw at me. I earned every one of my little imperfections to wear with pride because I am a woman who sewed herself up, created something beautiful from abandoned scraps. I am more than the fabric that binds me. I am stronger than you will ever know. Jesus. So. Your poetry, if I were going to say what the themes of all of your poems are, start to finish, mm-hmm. it is the idea of being built and rebuilding yourself. Um, and so of, of being broken and then being mended. But what mends you is you. Yeah. 
And I think that's a really powerful message to be given to a world that has very much been taught through media, through, I mean, through pretty much every aspect of our lives, that what you are at your core is not enough. Mm. And that, and so can you talk a little bit about the way that you write and why you have chosen so much of your poetry to be about not just being rebuilt, but about rebuilding yourself? Um, I, I just think it's something I've done over and over. Um, and it's not necessarily just relationships. Um, it's, it's different situations. Like I said, I'm very like introverted. Um, I think like I was bullied a lot when I was little, like, you know, ginger kid, like it happens. And, um, I'm immediately enraged. Find, (laughs) find them. I have words. Um, yeah, I was bullied a lot as a kid. Like I was like a total bookworm, like ninja kid with glasses, like, you know, go figure. Um, and like I moved schools and I think that was the first time I, um, had to like, I guess like rebuild myself, I guess, just to fit in. And then I think it happened again when I went to university. Um, I definitely tried to start again because there were parts of myself that I didn't like. Um, and I just wanted, I, it wasn't about fitting in. It was just about finding the place where I thought I belonged and the people that I belonged with. And I think when you find those people or that situation or that passion, you become more confident and there's a little element that you kind of pick up for yourself and you're like, okay, that's going to make me stronger. That's okay. But then like, I, I failed a lot in my life. Like I remember I left university. I had this like whole idea what I was going to do and it all fell through. And it's those moments where you like, okay, let's, let's go back to the drawing board and let's restart. And then same with relationships. I was in a very long-term relationship and then I had to kind of figure out who I was on my own again after that ended and I guess I did it again during COVID and I found this amazing writing community and Mm. throughout all those things you collect the little aspects that are good and I feel like everything happens for a reason I definitely believe in kismet and everything like that and fate and I think you have to make the best out of the situation no matter how kind of dark it gets you're going to learn something from it you're going to gain something from it and it's okay if you're not like 100% healed and you're not the person that you think you need to be in that moment, but you just have to gain something from it. Because if you don't have that hope or that learning moment, like what is it for? You have to you have to use it and make the best of it. And I think that's what I like about writing. You can just kind of keep re rewriting. You can edit as much as you want. And mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes it's not gonna be perfect, but that's okay. Like that's that's life. So I think that's that's probably why I restructure, resew, rebuild, because I think it's best not to throw experience away. So one of my favorite books of all time is The Velveteen Rabbit. I actually have a tattoo of The Velveteen Rabbit on my mm-hmm. arm. how much I love it. And there's a quote from The Velveteen Rabbit that I read your, your second collection. So this came after reading the your second collection of poetry. Mm-hmm. And my thought was, I had a bunch of thoughts, but one of my thoughts was, and this is like one of my favorite quotes of all time. If this quote was a book of poetry, it would be this book of poetry. And the quote mm-hmm. is, you become, it takes a long time. 
That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in your joints and very shabby. But those things don't matter at all. Because once you are real, you can't be ugly. Except to people who don't understand. Oh, I love that. And I think that your poetry, so much of your poetry is about becoming real. Yeah. In the velveteen rabbit sense of we spend so much of our time thinking that the breaking is is the setback. Mm. But a lot of life, the breaking isn't the setback. The breaking is the point. Yeah. And your poetry very beautifully shows that, yeah, no, the world breaks you. And it's how you respond to that. And it's the way you mend that is actually what is beautiful about you. It is that you become that is the point. I like to think so, yeah. Oh, I love that comparison. I really do. Thanks, dude. <laughs> this is a way more eloquent way of saying it Megan thank you <laughs> well you know honestly I'm just reading through all of my highlights on <laughs> fractured of uh, fractured so and good. luminous soul um, and I'm like I'm doing a podcast I need to just stop reading <laughs> um, but I I, yeah, I highlighted a lot of the sexy parts um, <clears throat> there's a few in there the insomnia grips me the same way your hands used to pin me. Oof. Hot. Girl. <laughs> um, let's talk about sex. I knew that was coming. I knew. I knew it. Hello. Um, <laughs> Y'all can't see this, but Lauren is blushing in British so hard right now. So hard. I'm blushing in British and ginger. Like, it's a whole other level. So... Whenever I'm right, I've actually like stopped writing a sex scene to come do this podcast. Like that's what I was doing. I'm sorry. I read it. <laughs> I don't think I was allowed to read it, but I saw her writing it. I read it. It's hot, right? It was hot. I didn't scroll. I just read one page of it. Okay, that's fine. It was very good. Um, but Obviously. so writing intimacy is something that I really struggle with. Um, mm-hmm. and I am completely divorced from it because it's. I mean. It's not me. Um, But when you're writing about intimacy, you're writing about, I mean, you are, these are autobiographical and you are not pretending they're not autobiographical. Hey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, No, very sincerely. So what is your, I don't want to say process because that's like not the exact word I'm looking for, but like when you're saying, okay, you know what, I'm going to write about this. Like, Mm -hmm. and maybe this is just like, you know, the repressed part of me, but like that feels very vulnerable. So is there a part of you or as you're writing it, are you thinking to yourself like, I, the question I want to ask is not a question that's going to be interesting in the podcast. And so we are not going to include this. I know it, but when you're writing sex stuff and you are writing like, and your partner you're with knows that it's going to be about them and you know that it's about them and y'all know what it's about. Is there like a consent getting situation or like, what are you like, how does that piece of it work? I'm for sure. Like I, when I decided that the time frame fractured was going to be like 12 PM till 3 AM, obviously it's going to be like some sexy stuff. And, um, the ones that are kind like basically all about, um, 
so my partner was very much like it's cool so do it like right it's gonna be hot and so I yeah very kind of do it all good um contrary to what y'all are probably thinking it was not me but that was a very me sentence yeah it was not Liz although the slide into the ends was strong I'm joking hey I, I tried to clear that we're pro sliding into the DMs here at Strictly Sabbath. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as long as you're respectful. Yeah, obviously. Um, but no, my partner was very much like, do it. It's going to be like, hot. like I trust the way you're going to write it. Like, it's not going to be, you know, super, like, no one's going to read this who doesn't know you and think, oh, that's like, that's so-and-so or whatever. Um, I think they just really believed in the way I write and that it would be tasteful, I guess, as well as a big thing, but also like there's a million layers to it. Like it's not just like that moment between the two of us. Like there's something else that I've taken from another part of my life that I've put in that, but it's a physicality reaction, if that makes sense. Um, but also like once I had the collection, I like sent them to it straight away and was like, you can veto anything. Like I yeah. want you to be 100% happy with it. Like, if there's anything you're like, mm, I'm not like, mm, I'm young. Like, but like, right. in the same time, it, it shows them in a very good light. And I think they were very happy with it. Um, but no, I'm like, they write as well. Like, they're very, very supportive. So definitely, but we have the open communication as writers and just be like, I will not take it personally. You can veto anything. I can change anything. Um, but I don't think I changed a single thing from that. Yeah. I think I have formulated my question. Okay. It's not that impressive. I'm sorry that the buildup was so much. Okay. Um, and, and I think I've had this question when I've read just like sapphic romance novels, like I'm reading the more intimate scenes and I'm reading how authors are describing the feeling of something um, and mm-hmm. like the metaphors they're using. And yeah. I've asked myself, when they are making out with someone in real life, is there, and I'm just asking this in general, then y'all can like, you know, ad- admit to some things if you want to admit to some things. Are you thinking about like narratively as it's happening, like, oh my God, I'm kissing this person and it does feel like, insert metaphor here. Like, are you thinking about, like, this is good and this is going to be a poem later? Um, For me, no. Like, I, I, okay, I admit, like, I have my phone memos open at all times. Like, like words that I like, things like that, but, like, not during those moments. Like, it's yeah. definitely not it in the moment thing. Um, But, like, I in your head memo? <laughs> I guess so. Like, I think in a way, like, there'll be, like, when I sit down to write and stuff, like, I'll... I think for me, it starts as like a feeling or a theme. Mm-hmm. And then I'll think of things that have happened to me when I've been feeling that. And some of them like are a bit sexy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't think I, I think like there's one that I wrote, um, Fresh White Sheet. I mean, I don't, I don't title my poems, but like I have them in my head when I categorize. Yeah. And um, there's one and it's like, I think it's um, something like, I drop inhibitions like I dropped my knees or something like that. And it was, it wasn't, (laughs) um, it wasn't necessarily like a thing. It was just more like, 
that feeling of letting go of everything and just you just submit to that feeling and that person and you're vulnerable but like at the same time you know what you want and I think that so it started with the whole inhibitions thing and then kind of the sex almost became like the metaphor for that if that makes Mm. sense um so yeah that's kind of how I worked in the sex scenes but the way I write them in prose is probably different it's probably more like you said it's more kind of a step-by-step and then the feelings come whereas in poetry it's just kind of the feeling straight away and then the action that goes with it I guess if that helps yeah answer your no, question it does. It does. <laughs> okay I'm gonna go write some sexy poetry now that yes. I know how it's gonna be hot Lauren <laughs> Lauren, Lauren she's my mentor um I don't when I am having sex I'm mostly thinking about the sex that I'm having yeah, I'm yeah. very rarely thinking about anything else <laughs> Anything else? Um, it was good sex, not I was going to say, else. if it's really good sex, you're not thinking like, this is going to be a plot point later. Mostly you're thinking, wow, this is really good sex. Yeah. Um. In fact, sometimes the reverse happens. Like, if I'm writing a sex scene, I'll be like, yep, could use some sex. <laughs> <laughs> but very yeah. rarely am I and, having sex and- thinking I should be writing. Okay. Usually I'm writing thinking, you know what I should be doing? Now everyone is going to think I'm a distracted lover, which guess what? I do have ADHD, but I'm medicated. I'm ADHD also, so I got to be focused up, man. We can't have distractions. We can't have squeaky mattresses. We got to be in the zone. Okay. Then whatever. You know, I I put myself out there. I asked the question. I'm just no, gonna... I think that's a great question. And I I, I genuinely, like, first of all, it's a very good question. Second of all, like, I think that I do that, like what you're talking about, but not during sex. Like, sometimes in life, someone will say something or something will do something, and I'll be like, oh, mm, plot point. Like, and I'll write that down. Mm-hmm. But it just happens yeah. to be, like, not, sex just doesn't happen to be a time when that happens for me. But, like, almost every other like the other day I was walking and I saw someone do something and I was like, that is fascinating. That's a fascinating way to do that. And I, <laughs> I took a note on my phone real quick of, mm-hmm. of like an interesting gesture or like I saw a person holding a pin really an interesting way. And I was like, that is a very interesting like character thing. Mm-hmm. I'll include that. And so like, there's a lot of stuff like that, that I do definitely like when I'm living my life, it's just not during sex. Yeah. I definitely would say the same as Megan. Like, um, like in prose, especially right now, because I have like so many wits, um, I have a lot of characters who are based on probably people in my real life. And whether it happens intentionally or organically, they definitely feed into that and they can't help it. Mm. Like I very much write from what I know and right. what I feel for people. So yeah. Listeners, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, <laughs> let me know. Because I feel, I don't know, maybe it's like a, like, I'm sitting here reading, and then, like, the characters are making out, and they're like, oh, it feels like, again, I'm not an author, insert metaphor here, and then, like, I, the next day, maybe I'm making out with someone, and that part of the book is in my head, I'm like, does this feel like that? Yeah. Am I just no dumb? That, well, no. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm trying to find all. if I like have any. But, if like, I have like I'm, used metaphors on back. Uh, but like, I guess in, I mean, so much of writing is finding 
language and metaphor and simile and whatever for experiences that make the experience feel more real to the reader. Mm. And so it, it makes sense that you would be like in the moment being like, is this what this feels like? Because, and if it's a great writer or writer that's really knows their craft, then it should be what it feels like, or it should give you the same feeling as that thing. So like yeah. oftentimes I, whenever I'm writing those moments, I uh, try to avoid like direct metaphor or direct like simile comparison because really what I want you to do is feel and not yeah. like sensory feel but like emotionally feel and so and I'm a metaphor heavy writer but tends it'll be it'll be like about how the person feels not what the yeah. other person feels like does that make sense yeah I think I was trying to look through like the the apartments and uh, try and see if I actually use metaphor. And I think I the the closest I probably get is something like wait, I'm sorry. Um, clothes ripped from skin, feelings torn from promises of more than the physical. So I think like for that, it was more kind of the action, right? Was more metaphorical as a feeling, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I tend not to kind of I kind of blur the whole thing up the physicality and the emotional. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably where I get it from, but I'm not a big fan of like, it feel exactly like this because it's going to be different for everyone. And it was just in that right. moment, that's what the focus of the poem is and what you're feeling, but it's going to be different for everyone. I think. For sure. I and think I think a hard metaphor on it's not relatable. Yeah. Okay. I thought of an example, not like word for word example, but I, I noticed myself doing it when authors uh, write an orgasm and they're like oh it started from my head and then went to or, or something like it like describing like that feeling like coming to be yeah and sometimes I read that I'm like do my orgasms feel like that like do they start <laughs> there for me like I'm anal I'm like I, Analyzing. I put myself in these books okay. like I okay. do you see what I'm saying I do see what you're saying so because okay if I read this author's sex scene mm -hmm. do i now know how they experience an orgasm right because are they you know i i don't think anyone would like make it up or i don't know i no judgment if you're like googling what an orgasm feels like for different yeah. people but i am going to stop talking because i'm really stuck <laughs> on this and i will reflect back later and we will have a follow-up conversation so as you're transitioning from poetry, or not even transitioning, as you are writing prose and and working on writing these 8 to 12 to 19 books, <laughs> however many you have on your agenda right now, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. do you find the process is very, very different from writing poetry? Or like, is there holdover? Or what is what is your process for prose like? And in comparison to your writing for poetry, but also just in general. So I don't write linearly. Um, which would probably drive a lot of people crazy. Um, I write in scenes and I think that's probably why I have so many whips because I have these sets of characters that kind of come to me and they're so vivid and I see the whole scene and I see what they're wearing and I see the way they're moving and like the chemistry between them. And I just, I have to get it down. And then I end up with like all these scenes and then I have to write the transitions. And that's like where I struggle. I I find it difficult to get the characters from point A to point B, point C. And 
but I'm I get excited by characters and the storyline that's where I'm like my ideas come from initially so I feel like I have to do them justice so I do knuckle down and get the scenes linked together and everything else but no I'm definitely very scene driven um but there are definitely transfers so I mean within my writing all the all the names when I start off with names like the big thing for me they all have meanings like just very specific like the way I write about flowers and things they all have deeper meanings they're probably never going to be realized by half the people who read them but to me it means something I like a good theme um and also like I want every single character and every single whip to be completely different I don't want it you feel like you're rereading the same story. I want the the environment to be different. I want the scenario to be different, the trope to be different. I want every single character to stand alone, whether it's a love story or not. I want them to be their own fully formed person before they meet someone, after they meet someone. Um, and yeah, I think that's how I kind of write really. I'm very character driven and plot driven. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have one that is a age gap and that's very much character driven. Um, it's been one, the one I've been working on the longest and probably the most of myself in a book. So a lot of people have read it and they're like, this is based on you. And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, okay, th- you do this, you do this, this is you. And I'm like, oh crap. Okay. So I feel like your debut always has a lot of yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is another one which is like an enemy to lovers and for me that was I had the idea for the plot and then I shaped characters around it so I don't really think I have one process yeah um, which is probably very chaotic and very stressful to the writers who are very good planners I am not a good planner but so. I mean it's it's the same as what we talked about with your poetry like it's not one uh means of inspiration it could be several yeah. things and so it's just the same in your prose so that makes sense yeah i love it i think that so i really like your naming like talking about names because like names are also something that's like very important to me yeah um and i think that like like lauren to your point it's like part of being a writer i think is the caring yeah um, yeah, I like putting in like little details that maybe nobody else knows. No, nobody else really cares. Like I, um, I chose like obviously a floral theme for both poetry books, but in Fractured, because it's a bit sharper, it's a bit darker. I changed the the floral dividers, um, so they are all poisonous plants. So they are like foxglove and belladonna, and like nobody knows that. Like. Nobody really cares, but I know it. And I love, I got excited about having the theme of being darker, yeah. being dangerous, a bit poisoned, things like that. And like, I'm writing a kind of second chance YA ish sapphic at the minute. And the two characters are Elena and Ame. And Ame means rain in Japanese. And mm. Elena means fire in Spanish. So mm. I love the whole juxtaposition of fire and water. And Mm-hmm. They never fully quite mix, but it's about balancing the elements. Yeah. Um, and again, nobody cares, but for me, they add a lot to the characters and they add that first layer of richness before you even start describing them, if that makes sense. It already has, like Nathan was saying, an element of the story. You know where it's going to go before you even open the first page. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's, I love that so much because it's like you're, you are reserving a little piece of it just for you. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this is still mine. Like everyone can read this and get whatever they want from it. But like this one's for Megan, this one's for Lauren, this one's for me type of thing. Yeah. Um, that's super cute. Lauren, yes. would you do us the honor of maybe reading a few poems for of course. Us and yeah. you know whoever was listening uh yeah uh do you want them from like one of each or something i have some new stuff if you want me to read a new one hell yeah i want to hear the new <laughs> stuff yeah we do but also dealer's choice whatever for sure new and then okay. whatever you either published yeah. yeah okay um I marked a few because I had a feeling you're going to make me do this. Um, right. I, I would do one from Graceless. So like I said, it's like a, a happier tone. It's more falling in love. Um, yeah. Okay. She swept away with curl behind my ear before her fingertips gently traced my exposed necks before she replaced every single thought in my tired mind before I fell. Okay. I, first of all, oh, I have like butterflies. I have feelings. I'm into this. Um, but I now want audiobooks of all of these because I think it's so cool to hear how you, Im- like, not intended for it to be, but like how you hear it in your head because how I'm reading yeah. it is probably different, right? Like rhythmically. Um, mm-hmm. So that just adds a whole nother layer and I'm obsessed with you. Okay. So sorry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, okay. I'm, okay. I, so I'll read like probably my favorite from Frat Kid. Um, so this is the final poem. Um, oh, I fucking it, love this poem. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was just accumulation of like becoming stronger after the dark. Um, it's slightly yeah. more feminist. Um, it's just definitely something I want in the third one, the third volume, a lot more. Um, just being braver and knowing where you kind of are in society, and especially now, especially in America, I just feel like you just—it's something to become a woman, and you have such power. You just need to use it. Mm. Um, again, mm-hmm. um, so sharp girls meet sharp ends. We should all be sugar and spice, sweet enough but hot to keep it interesting. Up on pages, filtered and seen, but we will be heard. Loud and clear, we are fractured beings. We are endless souls. We are born with pain. We are the granddaughters of witches, of goddesses, of change, of revolt. Remember, sharp girls make history of you. Her story cutting through a sweet rewriting of the truth. Mm. God, I love that It's so good. <laughs> and it's Thank like, the, it's the perfect punctuation to the, the collection. Like... Geez, it's like you had a purpose behind it or something. <laughs> well, and it launches you into your next phase. Like that is that is a poem saying, and now I'm going like, get to ready. change. Like yeah, shit's about to go down in a way that rocks <laughs> things. Yeah. I hope so. I'm yeah, I'm definitely more confident in the third volume. Um, but I'm I definitely read a lot more of the poets and I definitely want to have inspiration behind the poem as well as just my personal feelings so um yeah. all right let's hear some I, new shit okay 
exclusive. Okay. Um, I'm trying to decide which one to Strictly do. Strictly sapphic exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, I'm going to do this one because I know Mason's right it and she likes it. What? I try. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Okay. Let's I feel like it. I send this. I feel like I send this one to you, Liz. Maybe. Okay. Um, a trifecta of white roses lace their way across your skin, as gentle as my lips on you, as beautiful as your hands on my hips, as hot as your body beneath mine. My head so hazy, I'm everything and nothing but drunk on the feeling of you. So good. Damn. <laughs> um. Wow. Sorry, my brain is processing these words. You are an incredibly talented individual. Correct. Thank you for putting these words out into the world. Like also I, correct. Like I said, in a very um, not succinct way, you for sure inspire me. Um, and mm-hmm. I think you inspire a lot of others too. And so I hope... If anyone is listening to this and is like, I write stuff, but I never want to share it or... I mean, you don't have to, but your work might change someone else's life. Absolutely. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my God. (laughs) Blushing hard. All right. Let's do it. Lauren, let's hear your big three. Uh, We doing book or music? Uh, Whichever one you want to start with. Okay. do music so top three um lungs florence the machine mm-hmm. like anyone who knows me anyone who knows me lives i like pray to florence i love her lungs was the first album i probably played on repeat until i like, wore it out like i know every like every lick every verse every like twang in her voice like i love the whole album um polymer faith you want the truth of something beautiful um she was my first ever live music gig she's a showwoman like that album feels very like a character arc. like if you listen to it from mm. beginning to end it's like you're at the party you see someone you fall in love with them it's it's hard you break up and then the end you're like a whole different person and it's just really beautifully done yeah um and the pretty reckless light me up which I I've seen them like three times and every time I go everyone goes are you in the right queue I'm like yes this is the band I know I don't look hell like yeah brother um, but yeah I the songwriting again is beautiful like mm-hmm. uh Miss Nothing Just Tonight they're just beautiful songs and so like Taylor Momsen when she performs is amazing I I don't think she's given enough credit um as a singer and as a performer and yeah it's just it's just such a good album like it just gives you all the feels and you can be angry and sad and just all in one album and I love it I think all of these albums like mixed together is such a reflection of everything we just talked about of of like reading the last poem from Fractured you know with the pretty reckless like everything is intertwining in my brain. Um, and I love that. I love it all. Yes, it it is. So good, dude. Oh, okay. Books. Uh, top three. Um, 
Okay, so Tulip Touch by Anne Fine was something I read in primary school. And it's like, I reread it as an adult and it's really dark. Like it focuses on themes of like abuse and mm. things in childhood. And it's basically about having that friend that your parents warn you off about. And they're like, I don't feel like they're a good kid, but it goes deeper than that. And you figure out why she is, how she is, but also reading it as an adult, like it's a whole nature versus nurture vibe and like the whole bad seed thing. And that theme really intrigued me. I love very like darker films, psychological thrillers. And I think The Chill Effect is such an amazing kids book, even though it deals with a lot of dark themes. And it was mm-hmm. one that always just stuck with me. Um, so the second one is The Road Home. Yeah, it's beautiful. And yeah, I still, even now, I still think of the cover. Like it grips me every time. It's like a black cover with like flames in the eye. And it's just, yeah, if you haven't read it, please do. Um, second book, The Road Home by Erin Zach. So that was my first sapphic read. I was during COVID, I was reviewing books and I was like, oh, romance, like, yeah, like some, it's usually like, like super erotic or it's super cheesy. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I want to read this because the, the blurb is pulling me in and I want to know who Gwendolyn is and I want to know why she's going through what she's going through. And I literally read it all through the night. I stayed up to like 4 a.m. the next morning, read the whole thing. I basically ordered her entire back catalog off Amazon. I semi-stopped socials and mm-hmm. she was, Erin really, I was surprised how approachable an author could be. And I think she was kind of my gateway into the writing community and just so open about talking about process and um, how she began writing, how raw that some of her writing is. And she's become like a really great friend and has definitely pushed me in getting my work out there. So I'm eternally grateful for that. As um, are we. Shout out Aaron Zach. <laughs> Tapestry of the Heart. That's her latest. Tapestry of the Heart. Love it. Um, and then third book, Virgin Suicide, Jeffrey Eugenie's. Um, I just love that book. It's it's so dark and like if you try and describe it, like I try and describe it once to my mom, and she was like, "This book sounds like why it sounds so depressing." And I'm like, <laughs> "It is, but it's so beautifully done." And mm-hmm. she just didn't understand. But um, yeah, it's the aesthetic in it it's so vivid to me it was the first one that I really read from a male perspective male writer that really captured something beautiful for me so it definitely mm. stuck yeah with me in terms of theme um about like unattainable beauty I think is a big theme for me um and also when the Sophia Kuala film came out it was the first time a book was as good as the film vice versa the aesthetic felt the same it was exactly how I imagined it in my head and I also kind of love that kind of hazy 70s by the cult vibe. I'm a big fan of the type of books like The the Girls by Emma Klein. I'm very much into kind of the darker side of femininity and the dangers around that as well, I think is definitely something I love to read and explore people's takes on it. So yeah, this is me. Top three. (laughs) So good. I saw The Dead Poet Society and read The Virgin Suicide in like the same four-day period when I was a teenager. And I yeah. genuinely believe it was like a 
life altering yeah like of your life exactly wow yeah oh lauren lauren eve lauren eve (laughs) you're the best god damn american hero and you're not even from america (laughs) yes um thank you so much again for being here but also just putting your art into the world and being the inspiration that you are Maybe where can people find more of you um, or if you have any teasers or anything upcoming? Um, I guess teasers, um, volume three of poetry. And I have a kind of plan for something after volume three that could be quite exciting. Um, <sighs> yes, um, I can't say too much on that one. But in terms of uh, current, but I think my debut is going to be called Behind Her Lens, um, which is an age gap sapphic romance. And hopefully soon, um, there's a few other novellas and stories in the pipeline. Um, I have a link tree, which I think you guys are going to add in the comments, hopefully. So on there, you will have a, a flash fiction story, which is kind of my first thing I put out. It's a little bit dark, it's a little bit um, creepy, but it's very, very quick read if you want to. I'll go with that. I have my writing playlist on there if you're interested in any more music. Which I have dove into, and it's <laughs> all fantastic. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm on Twitter, so it's uh, Lauren Eve underscore XX, and on Instagram, Lauren Eve Books. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm around. Really great. <laughs> yeah, really great are. follow. The best. The best follow. In fact, it was weird uh, hearing you tell the story of the Aaron Zach novel because I'm like, I can't imagine a world of Lauren Eve being like romance. I don't know about that. <laughs> and then, like knowing who you were and are on the internet from when I we first started talking. So again, thank you, thank you so much, Lauren. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, when your next book comes out, come back and see us because we want to <laughs> get love into to. it. Cool. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.